0: This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Mahachek. I'm so thankful and happy that you are here. This is going to be an awesome conversation because it's something that it's a topic that you may have heard of. Maybe you've kind of seen some, you know, glimpses in the news and whatnot, but it's something that when you actually ask yourself, do I know anything about this? You may or may not. So what I'm talking today about is ultra processed foods, and we're going to get into does ultra processed mean? Where might you see examples of this in your day? What's the big deal? Are they bad? Are they not? Should I eliminate them completely? What do I do? Examples, all the things we're going to get into all of that. Now, I have seen the reels and the posts on social media, good intentioned health coaches and intuitive eating coaches all telling you that you should ignore all the diet culture talk about good and bad foods. And you should listen to your body. That there's room in your diet for sugary and processed foods and that if you ignore your cravings for these foods, then you'll binge so you should just tell yourself it's okay and just have the food that you're craving. And you know what, I agree to a certain degree. You see, just like politics, I believe there is a nutrition spectrum, so to say. On the one side, you have people telling the world that you need to restrict and be super tight and rigid about every crumb of food that you eat. You need to track it, you need to burn it off, and that's the only way to stay healthy. Then on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, you have those who say, eat what feels good, you shouldn't feel shame. And you have everything and everyone in between those two extremes. You'll find me smack dab in the middle and I tend to tap dance on both lines because I come at things from a place of evidence, research and science while also applying the layers of human emotion and life experience that all of us have when it comes to food choices and patterns. So I agree that we shouldn't judge or feel guilty when it comes to what we crave or how we choose to eat, but we also can't ignore the science of what food does in our body. And that is the topic we're talking about today. What is the research and science saying about ultra processed foods and what happens when we eat them? So, what does the term ultra processed mean? It was actually somewhat difficult to find a true definition, but a few articles alluded to the definition of ultra processed foods as. Foods, and this is a quote, foods with formulations of ingredients, mostly of exclusive industrial use that result from a series of industrial processes, many requiring sophisticated equipment and technology, end quote. That's a mouthful. Basically, an ultra processed food is a food with more ingredients on the ingredient list that contain artificially manufactured elements to it. Hopefully that's a little bit more clear. So where might you see examples of this in your day? Ultra processed ingredients are those like high fructose corn syrup, maltodextrin, protein isolates, you'll see soy protein isolate, you'll see other protein isolates, hydrogenated oils, artificial colors, flavors, flavor enhancers, emulsifiers, thickeners, artificial sweeteners, all of which are designed to alter the taste, texture, Longevity or look of a food. So, foods like packaged baked goods, like those donuts you see, cookies, fizzy drinks, cereals, ready to to eat meals that you'll find in like the freezer, dehydrated soups, sauces, condiments, packaged snack foods, and obviously many, many other things. That just gives you an idea of what we're talking about. So, what's the big deal? Are they bad? Are they not? Well, I looked at a number of studies. I have included some of those uh, studies that I found most helpful, as well as other journal journal articles. I put those in the show notes. So if you're interested and you want to go down that rabbit hole, there's a there's a start for you. But obviously, there's well more research articles. I just don't want to list out hundreds of them. So just to give you an idea of how prevalent these foods are. It was estimated that over 50%, actually a couple indicated 50 to 60% of energy intake in high-income countries comes from ultra-processed foods. And 30% of foods consumed in middle-income countries comes from ultra-processed foods. So the vast majority of foods are coming from these ultra-processed food ingredients. Now, I love a good systematic review because those are the studies that study studies and they take a number of studies and assess the results to help determine patterns around that topic. So I found it really interesting. And in fact, I even LOL'd in a, in a systematic review by uh, Elizabeth and Associates that stated, and I quote, no study reported in association between ultra processed foods and beneficial health outcomes. End quote. I don't know why that caught me in the funnies, but it did. It was basically like, well, they ain't good. (laughs) So that's like my brain interpreted it that way. So they aren't health promoting or supportive to say, but are they harmful? In that specific review, they looked at 37, actually they looked at 42 studies. And 37 of those studies that were looking at ultra processed foods, 37 of those 42 found the amount of ultra processed food exposure someone has was associated with at least one adverse health outcome specifically in adults these were the outcomes related to obesity overweight cardiometabolic risks cancer cardiovascular disease and diabetes type 2 diabetes and if you're like me and you're wondering well what were those other f- what were those other 5 studies that didn't find an association with at least one health condition Well, these five studies actually showed there were mixed associations, meaning other possible causes or combinations of causes of the disease helped to develop that disease. So now for clarity, this isn't saying someone who eats a lot of ultra-processed foods will get all of these conditions. They are just increasing the chances of developing at least one of them as their exposure to ultra-processed foods increases if that makes sense. So you're not guaranteed to get all of these diseases, but your risk factor goes up. The more ultra-processed foods you consume, the higher your risk factor is to developing at least one of those diseases that I listed off, based on those studies. In children, a higher intake of ultra-processed foods increase the cardiometabolic risks, as well as asthma. And another article in the British Medical Journal, It listed two different studies. The first one was a French study of over 105,000 French adults that found even a 10% increase in ultra-processed foods was found to significantly significantly increase the rates of cardiovascular disease by 12%, coronary artery disease by 13%, and risk of stroke by 11%. So just by increasing your ultra-processed foods by 10%, you got all of those increases for those various diseases. In the second study, they looked at a study of 19,000 university graduates from Spain. Uh, And I'm I'm listing out the numbers here because that's significant. That's 19,000 people. Actually, it was 19,886. But 19,000 people were looked at. And the previous one, 105,000 adults were looked at. So it's not just somebody that grouped a handful of people together and, and created this. It was a massive study, which is significant. In the study from Spain that was 19,000 university graduates, that showed an average intake of four servings of ultra-processed foods each day was associated with a 62% increase in all-cause mortality, aka death. It even went on to conclude that for each additional daily serving of ultra-processed foods, your mortality, or death, risk increased by 18%. Now, That sounds scary, (laughs) but keep in mind, these studies observed people. They were observational studies. They observed people who ate these foods and then took note of diseases that that developed. But these studies may not have also accounted for other factors like genetics or environment, but these results do confirm what other studies of similar parameters noted, right? That ultra-processed foods are being linked to disease. The gold standard, just to kind of give you an idea if you're not in the research world, the gold standard of research is a randomized control trial with a double or even a triple blinding, which, as you can imagine, is nearly impossible to do when you're asking the participants to eat something. They have to see it. They have to know what it is. Like, they're eating it. My point being, many people will start to pick apart the type of research conducted because they don't like the outcome, which kind of, you know, toes the line of confirmation bias. In this case, we really can't do that because no study has ever proven that ultra processed foods are beneficial to your health. And actually, I did find one small randomized control trial that was successfully done. It took 20, so just 20, healthy volunteers for one month, and they were randomly assigned one diet for two weeks and another diet for two weeks. The diets were made for them in a clinical setting. They stayed in a clinic for one month. So all the food and everything was very much controlled and they were either, it was either a diet of ultra processed foods for the meal or a meal that was minimally processed foods. And they were actually looking at the effect of ultra processed foods on the amount of food eaten. So kind of taking a look at appetite correlation. And they concluded that those participants, when they ate the ultra processed foods for the two weeks, they actually consumed more food than those who ate the minimally processed food for those two weeks. So it's really kind of fascinating. You know, my clinical brain immediately supports this because as we've talked about before, from just a physiological perspective, If your body doesn't get enough of the elements it needs to produce hormones or heal tissue or balance energy or all the things it needs to do, it will raise your appetite. It's sending the signals that it needs more tools to do the job. When you give it nutrient dense foods, meaning foods that have a lot of vitamins and minerals in them, those needs are met and your body doesn't require more. When you eat foods that are nutrient depleted and just highly processed, your body can't do anything with those. Your cells and your body still don't have the nutrients needed to function, so it sends the appetite cues to get you to eat. Makes total sense to me, and I hope I made that clear. And that's not even factoring in the emotional side of eating and the stress eating and the habits. That's just merely talking about the physiology. So I I find that very almost validating with kind of what I've kind of assumed all along. What I've been talking about all along is that you need those nutrient-dense foods to help with appetite from a physiology perspective. Anyways, this brings me to one theory that I want you to consider, and that is that, yes, the chemicals and the ingredients in the ultra-processed foods tend to be the thing that we assume is the worst part about them. And that's what's causing the illness, all these chemicals. What if, though, that wasn't necessarily the cause, but the fact that when someone has a diet high in these foods, they aren't getting other nutrients in other foods, and in turn are nutrient deficient, which is the cause of the disease. Just something to think about. Or it could be a happy combination of both. The body gets filled with chemicals and industrial ingredients from the ultra-processed foods and then also lacks the vitamins and minerals it needs to heal, defend, and detoxify those chemicals because you've already filled up on all those ultra-processed foods and no room for nutrient-dense foods. Just a theory. Just something to kind of consider. So you may be saying, should I eliminate them completely? Should I get rid of all ultra processed foods and go on that really strict side of the diet industry and and the diet culture and nutrition side of things? The simple answer is no. There's no need for complete and total elimination unless we're talking about guilt and shame around eating, then you can go ahead and get rid of that. But you don't need to completely avoid ultra processed foods. In fact, sometimes they're, they're necessary depending on your situation. What the takeaway from all of this is, there's an effect when it comes to what we put in our body. If you create a consistent, remember, consistent diet of mostly ultra-processed foods, the research and the science has shown many times over that possibly can increase because of the chemicals and the ingredients in there or because of nutrient deficiencies, or some other cause that they haven't yet determined, you are increasing your risk for disease. That has been proven in multiple, multiple research studies of various countries, in various parameters, in various, you know, under under various umbrellas of health. There's no disputing that. Hopefully that's clear at this point. By including mostly foods that contain essential nutrients, though, meaning over half of or more of your diet contains Beneficial nutrient containing foods, you lower your risk of those diseases. Depending on your genetics, your percentage of these foods may differ. And I don't think anyone needs to be super extreme and strict when it comes to what they're eating. I really, really don't. And I hope that's clear because rarely will that result in mental and physical health long term. When you're super strict, something's got to give eventually. It's either going to be your mental health or it's going to be your physical health. There is always room in your life for ultra processed foods. My take is that it should be a smaller part than the beneficial foods. And your ratios may be different depending on you and your situation. So what do you do? What do I do? I'm listening to this. I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down, but what do I do? To start, just breathe, take a breath. That was a lot of information thrown at you. And I tend to talk fast, especially when I'm excited about something. So take a moment, take a minute to kind of process things. Just know that if you listen to this and you started feeling a certain way, angry, guilty, sad, hopeful, take a minute to understand why that's coming up for you. I talk to people all the time who have anger bubble up when we talk about their food choices. And usually that anger stems from them judging themselves or some sort of past trauma. So take a minute and kind of just breathe and process that. Now, take a simple look at the usual foods that you and your family are eating. If you were to look at the ingredient list, would most of the ingredients be a chemical, a color, a preservative, an enhancer, or are they mostly whole foods? Where in your day or your week could you plan to have ultra processed foods? You might be like, what? Plan to have them? Yes, plan to have them. And where Could you add in more minimally processed foods, meaning more whole foods? I have kids, I have four kids in sports, and I see the struggle that parents have getting their kids home from school, feeding them, then getting them to practices or games. It can be chaos. Is this the case for you? In which case, how can you make it easier for yourself to feed you and feed your family more minimally processed foods? quick and simple doesn't always mean unhealthy I want I want you to kind of understand that just because something is quick to make or simple and easy to make, we tend to al- always assume that it's fast food or something unhealthy that's grab and go. you can make quick and simple more supportive foods things like wraps, salads, crock pots, instapot meals, air fryer meals all of these, can be added to your routine to help you out. I actually have a, I have a handout I made a few years ago that are simple dinner ideas. And I I wasn't planning it, but I will tag that in the show notes. or I'll put that in the show notes. So if you're like, ah, I just need some ideas. Just tell me what to eat. I have some ideas. I have some samples. Pick and choose what's going to work for you and maybe try out a couple of those. I'll Again, I'll include that in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom and um, you'll find that link to get that. So what would it look like, though, I'm, I'm really wanting to be more action focused with this podcast, I want to give you some action steps and some ideas on how to actually implement what you are learning, I don't want you to be a research or a information hoarder, because that does nothing if you're not going to actually apply it. So let's give an example. What would a day of minimally ultra-processed foods look like? Meaning you're not getting a ton of ultra-processed foods, but you may have some in there. It may look like a breakfast of scrambled eggs with some peppers and onions cut up in them and maybe a cup of oatmeal with raisins and walnuts added to it. Lunch could be a veggie and chicken wrap with cut-up veggies and hummus on the side. Dinner could be a rice or a quinoa bowl that has... Tons of veggies, lettuce, olives, chickpeas, cucumbers, tomatoes, maybe even some salmon thrown on top and having a leafy salad on the side. And then you can also have snacks throughout the day, snacks on fruits, nuts, apples, with almond butter, peanut butter, trail mix. Some of those foods contain some ingredients that may be processed. But the majority of the foods I just listed are whole foods, more foods that are less processed, not processed as much. I always get the, the, the smarty who, who's like, well, everything has to be processed unless you pick it from your garden. I get it. I get it. But we're talking about ingredients. We're talking about things that come from a, a lab or things that come from a manufacturing plant, not a plant in the ground, a manufacturing plant. So that's what we're talking about. Yes, I understand that oatmeal is also somewhat processed. It has to be to get it from the, the grain to what you see in the container. I get it. But we're talking about minimally processed and more whole foods than not. So that's the intention. Throw a cookie in there, too, if it makes you happy. Obviously, I didn't mention water, but that's important as well. Uh, But but it can be done is my point. It's just simple, simple meals can be done with minimally processed ingredients. If it's, you know, if it's not second nature for you, that's okay. Just start adding in a few recipes each week that are minimally processed. You do not have to get overbearing and obsessive about it. Just add in a couple new recipes that don't contain a ton of added ingredients. Start small, transition slowly. There's no deadline when it comes to this. This is your transition. This is your time to add in some new and supportive recipes and meals for you or your family. So to wrap it up, kind of give you a summary I looked at multiple studies that conclude ultra-processed foods, again, foods with more industrial made ingredients than not, ultra-processed foods increase your risk of developing certain diseases. Now, the jury is still out on the true cause of the association of those, but no study, again, no study, concluded that eating these foods help your health. The degree to which it impacts your health is determined by the amount you eat. And our children are also negatively impacted by those foods. Now, I want to be very, very clear. I don't think you need to feel guilty about eating any foods or any of the foods that I listed. Unless you steal food or create some sort of act of violence to get the food, you shouldn't feel guilty. And even then it's like, well, what was the circumstances? What are, you know, I, there's, there's no need for guilt, but we can't ignore the research that says people who eat more of these foods than whole foods are developing diseases. It's being seen. The cause and effect relationship has been proven. No matter what you eat, anything, anything you eat, consume, drink, eat whatever there is an effect on your body that can't be disputed it has to be processed it has to your body has to do something with it you can label it as positive or negative if it helps you to kind of rationalize it but from a neutral perspective it's just an effect you will not get a disease by eating a candy bar once or twice even it's the habitual patterns of nutrition that I'm talking about here so many with many of these ultra processed foods we become addicted to the convenience we can go down the rabbit hole of does it are, are our brains addicted to certain sugar levels and certain fat content and all that I'll, I'll save my opinion on that but we do become addicted to the convenience we convince ourselves that we are so busy that the only way we can eat or feed the family is by stopping for fast food during the week sure There are definitely occasions when your options are very limited, but the majority of the time, almost always, there's a more nutritionally supportive alternative. It may just take some planning. It may just take some intention. It may just take some rearranging of of time and structure of schedules, and it it may take a change of habit, but you can absolutely do it. I've seen it done. I've experienced it. I have changed my own patterns. I've changed the patterns of my family. I've seen it happen. I have have coached people on how to do it. It absolutely can be done. As always, please reach out to me if you think it's time for you to get some support with tweaking you or your family's nutrition. I offer free 20-minute consultations where we can discuss your concerns and how I can help and if working together is a good fit. You can sign up for that by clicking the link in the show notes below or by visiting my website, foodfactornutrition.com and click on the button that says Let's Chat. If you already know though, you'd like to get started. I'm currently at this time of, the, of this recording, which is August of 2023, I'm currently offering a discounted session rate as I earn hours for my doctoral training. I'm required to do a certain amount of sessions for supervised hours in order to graduate with my doctorate in clinical nutrition. So I'm offering a discounted rate in order to meet that requirement. If you are interested in joining me for this, I'm limiting this to 25 people. So if you are wanting to reserve your spot, go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook uh, at Food Factor Nutrition, or you can email me Stephanie, It's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, at FoodFactorNutrition.com, and I will add you to the list and reserve your spot for that discount. So thank you for joining me for this important discussion about ultra processed foods. If you found this valuable, I'm sure your friends and family would too. So hit that share button in your podcast app or on your computer, copy that link and text it or email it to your favorite people. I appreciate you spreading the show to those you love and for some extra karma points, send it to someone you don't like just to confuse them and kind of keep things interesting. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. Bye.